Ephesians chapter 6. Pastor Rhonda and I, uh, we taught three weeks on marriage, and that was a lot of fun, especially week one and week three. They were all good, but um, if you haven't watched that, uh, week number one was especially interesting, and so watch that. And then now we're, uh, so I'm not going to review that at all. We're going to start in chapter 6. The thing about Ephesians and teaching uh, right out of a book, going line by line, is you really can't skip over anything. And so I was grateful for that because we really haven't taught on marriage for a really long time. We used to do marriage matters where we go away. Uh, we've done certain things. And uh, I will, let me put a plug in. If you haven't signed up for marriage matters, um, it's a good fellowship with uh, married couples. It's also a good place to invite uh, people, who, married couples who don't go to church. It's just good for them to get around us and see that we're normal. And so uh, be normal, all right? And so, uh, and so that's good. And then this year coming up in 2020. 24. We're going to do three larger marriage matters things again, I believe, in February during Valentine's around that time. Pastor Ron and I are going to teach on marriage. We're going to have a banquet. Then during the summer, we're probably going to have another bigger thing. And then at the end of the year, I might invite that Kenneth and Lynette Estrada back and do another marriage conference because we like them so much. And so I just wanted to give you a preview of that. And so tonight, and I'm sorry your children aren't in here, but you can tell them what the Bible says Ephesians chapter 6, very 1. Children, obey. Let's all say that together. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will doing service as to the Lord and not unto men. Knowing that whatever good things that a man does, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And you masters do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. So we're just going to look at some things, and we're just going to take all four of these uh, areas that clearly are laid out here. We're going to look at children, fathers, uh, and we're going to throw in mothers there. And we're going to also look at servants, and we're going to look at masters, what the Bible talks about them. And we're going to pull from other scripture. Um, what I was studying for this two weeks ago, um, the Lord spoke something to my heart, and he said, uh, anytime you see a generation of lawlessness, it's not their fault, it's the prior generation. So if we don't like the way the generation is, then the parents of the previous generation are what caused it. Praise the Lord. But that's not so among us. It's just overall you see that parenting from the word of God has gotten less and less and less. And that's why many of you has taken some things back. You're doing some things with your children. Um, you're making sure they're taught the word of God. You're making sure they're taught the right things, period. Uh, you're doing things like that. Um, no matter whether you have them in public school, private school, or you homeschool, it's important that as a parent, it is your job to raise them, nobody else. You know, you don't just get to make them, you have to raise them. Amen. And so, um, and as a parent, it's your job to teach a child what, how the Bible says they should act. 
Now, it says here to children to honor, and uh, Pastor JC was looking at that. Uh, I was going to tell, tell him on this. Um, when I told him it was doing this, the offering, I didn't ask him if he'd like to. <laughs> That's not how I do things. Um, so uh, he did a great job. But he talked about honor. And one of the things that's severely lacking in the body of Christ and in the world today is honor. And the Bible says if you don't honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, and it has a promise. And what is the promise? The promise is that it may go well with you and that you would have long life. So if you've honored your father and your mother, if that, if that, that is a commandment, the promise. And so if anything comes your way, if you've really done that, then you can claim this promise. With long life will I be satisfied upon the earth. So even a sickness, a disease, tries, but I honor. Now, if you didn't, my spiritual father said this. He said there's a whole lot of other promises if you did not honor your father and mother while you were growing up. But you know what? No matter how old you are after you get born again, after you start hearing the word of God, it's good for you to honor. No matter what they've done. See, listen to me. When it comes to children, a child can't do what the parent. If they could listen to this. A child is not the parent. The, the cell phone they have is not theirs. It's yours. The friends they have are not their freedom to pick. They're your freedom to oversee. You're the boss. It's a bad thing when the parent, when the child parents the parent. When the child, just in order to keep peace in the house, they let the children do anything they want. Listen to me. God has something to say about raising children because it's really not just about your household. It's about a generation. It's about his name. It's about something being carried out. And when he spoke that to me, I mean, it makes good sense. Anytime there is a generation, it's not their fault. It's the fault of those who parented them. And I know that's a very broad, big statement, but you and I then have to be careful that, and understand it is a great and awesome privilege to raise children for the Lord. Amen. And as long as we, we can't control everybody else. But just being aware of that what, you know, if you don't like this generation, it's, it's not their fault. It's their mom and dad's fault for the most part. Praise the Lord. You all right? So what are we supposed to be doing? Well, how many of you know uh, you want your children to live long on the earth? How many of you know, do you want your children to go well with them? Then as a parent, it's your job to teach them what this is. And they ought to, first and foremost, obey you. Praise the Lord. None of this, I'm going to count to ten nonsense. None of this, I'm going to discipline you when we get home. I'm going to discipline you right now. Yeah, but I'm not talking about beating. I'm talking about disciplining. I'm talking about, listen to me, they know when you mean it or not. They know how far they can push you. At two years old, they start to know. Because that word so, so freely comes out of their mouth. No. No. Mine. My, you can go to the nursery. Mine flesh. Our job as a parent is to help them put that under. How do you do it? You, you teach them how to obey. You don't ever get tired of them um, and just let it go. I don't care how tired you are. I don't care how many hours you work that week. You have to teach them to obey and obey the first time you say. Listen to me. It could mean their life. 
I just want to shake parents when I see them out, but I have nothing to do with them and I can't really do anything about it. I see them counting. You try to count for a child when they disobey you and run out in the street and get smacked by a semi. When you say stop, they ought to learn to stop in their tracks. It could mean their life. It's not cute. It's not cute for them to talk back. It's not cute for them to tell you no. It's not cute. It's dangerous. And as you do that, you start it. You know, sometimes I, uh, they've got to be in environments, though, where they have, so they're supposed to obey you. But what JC brought up, they have to also learn to obey those in authority. Now, I know that's a big thing right now. Well, you can't trust everybody in authority. Well, no, there, there, are, there are bad people in all parts of authority. There are a bad preacher, but I'm not one. There are preachers that are crooks, but I'm not one. There are good, this, that, all throughout everything. But you have to teach them to obey those that are in authority. Why? Because if you, if, if, now listen, I know you all do this, but it's also help you understand why things are so messed up, up, up out there. Because if, if they can't obey someone they can see, they'll never obey somebody they can't see. It's not okay for them not to obey. If something went wrong, but you know what? Listen to me. Your child is not always right. If you're the kind of parent where when little baby, little boo gets in trouble, little baby, little baby boy gets in trouble, and you're always defending him thinking it's somebody else, you know when about third, fourth, fifth, sixth time, it might be baby boy. Come on, and you're doing them no favors when they're young. Not getting to the bottom of it. I know that people are unfair, and I know things happen, but not all the time. And so you got to teach them to obey. Everybody say obey. obey. Because you and I, do we have to obey somebody? Do you have a father? His name is God. And if you were not taught to obey as a child, you found it harder to obey him at his word. Come on, should we obey God at his word? Should we argue with him about it? Should we have a better way? Have we before? Yes, we all do. I have a better way. But that's just disobedience. I always have a, if you have a better idea about everything, praise the Lord. So let's look at some other scripture. You ready? Colossians 3.20, King James. says, children, obey your parents in all things. How many things? For this is well pleasing to the Lord. So when they obey, they please the Lord. And so they're supposed to obey you in all things. Now, who's this for? This is for the children. Moms and dads, you can't obey for the children. I've watched it. Loving your child so much that if they disobey, you're going to try to obey for them. They won't do their homework, so you do it for them. It's not your homework. You already passed the fourth grade, didn't you? You can help them, but don't do it. They got, oh, I wish we had more people in the room. Their project is due, but they've been out playing with Johnny down the road. And they come in, mommy, daddy, mommy, daddy, I'm going to get in trouble tomorrow. And so you go get all the stuff that they should have been working on for three weeks, and you stay up till 2 in the morning, and then you can't hardly work the next day because you've been doing a project that a fourth grader ought to have done two weeks ago. Well, I'm just helping them. No, if you're doing it for them. You know, sometimes it doesn't hurt for them to fail and get in trouble. 
Ain't he able? Hallelujah. He's good. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. Proverbs, my son, talking to children, hear the instruction of your father and forsake not the law of your mother. I love the way he, he, he divided this up. Uh, instruction. For, so fathers should be given instruction, but mama has laws. And you don't break mama's laws. Because mama's laws ought to be God's laws. And that's who he's talking to here. He's talking to children of, uh, he's talking about parents who are born again, who are in covenant with him, and it's really important to him. So what should they do? They should, they should obey. They should hear instructions. Um, they should obey in all things. So obedience is something that we teach our children. How long do we teach our children that? As long as they're under the roof. Um, I don't care if you just got born again and you got a teenager and they're, you, you start where you're at. Now, understanding that if you've gone 14, 15 years and let them do whatever, it's not going to happen on the turn of a dime. But you just try. You ask the Lord for help. You, ask, you, you, you try to bring some structure, some, will be, some things from the word of God, and, and you get help. And you, you try to get them in youth group. You, you do what you have to do. You do what you can. Understanding that you got a little start later. But God will make up the years for you if you'll just trust him. Don't just get mad and quit. Don't just say, I can't do this. Because, but, you know, you, you weren't serving God. And now you are. And, and yet it's going to take a little time. The older they are, they're already set in their ways. And so, but, but it's not impossible. It's not impossible. You have a promise from God. Once you're born again, you're in covenant. Deuteronomy 28 says it is a curse that uh, your children will be carried off into captivity and serve other gods. When does that happen? The moment you're born again, that curse is no longer. You don't have to be uh, break. You know, well, you know, none of the children in, in, in my family line, they all end up here. They all end up, Yeah, but you started a new family line. That's a part of the curse. You don't have to break that curse. It's already been broken. When you receive Jesus, you don't have to go through the history and break all the curses off of everything. You're redeemed from all the curses. Just walk in your redemption. You don't have to have some special minister come and break the curse off your family. You've already been redeemed from that curse. You can watch that as a bunch of nonsense. That's, look at, that's thinking too much of the devil. He, he's cursed my family and there's a curse in my family. There's a curse on my marriage. That's a bunch of baloney. You're redeemed. Jesus broke the curse. Just walk in the redemption. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So here, you're, here are the instruction from a father. So as fathers, we're supposed to do what? Give instructions. But what's a child supposed to do? Their part is to hear you. Well, what if they won't hear you? You keep talking. You keep instructing. Ask the Lord. Every child is different. Ask the Lord to help them. But you never give up. You never get weary. <laughs> even if you want to give up, even if you want to get weary, you don't. And then, Mama, you keep the law. Uh, you know, um, don't, don't bend. When you say something, this, if you don't do this, this is going to happen. If you bend all the time, they know. I, I can't help but do it. She's not going to like it, but I'm going to do it anyway. My mom, she's really a lot of fun when we were growing up. She's a lot of fun. But my dad was the disciplinarian. When my dad said jump, I really, not out loud, but inside, I was like, I wonder how high he wants me to go. I mean, when my dad said don't, I didn't. I, I messed up one time, and it hurt. <laughs> when dad said it, I, we, we obeyed. But mom, you could push her. You could. 
And so I was really good. My sister wasn't as smart as I was, but, but um, I was really good. I could, I could, I could push her. And I, 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 knew, I knew when to stop. And one day I didn't, or either she was having a bad day. I don't remember, but I tell the story all the time. We lived on a farm, and in our farmhouse, we had flies, especially during the summer. And so we didn't have a bunch of, you know, things. We had fly swatters. Y'all know what a fly swatter is? And our fly swatters were not cleaned on a regular basis. So fly swatters had fly guts, sorry, but they did. So I'm trying to give you a whole picture. I still remember the color of this fly swatter. It was a weird greenish um, kind of turquoise. It had a metal handle on it, and um, it was my mom's favorite fly swatter. And one day I forgot, I, I pushed. I pushed it. I stayed upstairs, and I remember pushing her too far. And I remember her beating me from as she chased me through the house up the stairs into my bed. She beat me and beat me and beat me. I should have called child services. She beat me, but I deserved it. It was probably stored up from all the other times I got right to the edge. But this day I misjudged. I'm not saying you should do that unless it's necessary. And so, um, but you, you have to teach your children. I am trying to be funny. And we've all made mistakes, and obviously I hear my wife say, you better tell them, we obviously do not believe in beating, that you should be in prison for that. Abuse is always wrong, you should report it, it, it is not acceptable. But discipline is from the Lord. Praise the Lord. So let's just see um, what he has to say about that. Um, let's look at Proverbs, where were we? Uh, it was just, we were having fun. Uh, Proverbs 6, 20. Proverbs 6, 20 and 23. My son, keep the father commandment and forsake not your mother's law. Verse 21. Bind them continually upon your heart and tie them around your neck. When you go, it shall lead you. When you sleep, it shall keep you. And when you awake, it shall talk with you. So the, the, the instructions and the law from mama, what happens, it will go with you wherever you go. It's supposed to be so much that it's bound around their neck. So when they go to get in somebody's car that's not theirs and you're out of town, they know better than to get in that car. They know better to go with those friends that you've told them not to. Because you've bound it around them. It goes with them. It leads them. When they're asleep, it keeps them. And when they wake, it talks with them. 23. For the commandment is as a lamp and the law is light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Aren't you glad that God corrects us? Uh, Proverbs 27, 16. Proverbs 27, 16. It says, whoever hides her hides the wind. That's not what I wanted. Um, that's the wrong scripture. But the scripture says, wise son hears a father's instruction. A scorner hears not the rebuke. I could get you the right scripture, so I, must, I just wrote it down. But it says, a wise son hears the father's instruction. And we want our children to be wise. So we need them to heed our instructions. So you need to make sure they are heeding them. And, but a scorner hears not the rebuke. So then, so there, I could go on with so many things about children. And we've done some various things, but that's enough because i got a lot to get to. And then it just, so how many of you know, so you teach that to your children, and the children have to do that. 
It's up to the child to do that. They can choose to be rebellious. They can choose not to listen. He said, well, no, they don't. Yeah, they do have a way. They, because they can, they can agree with you on the outside but be rebellious on the inside. And then once that they're out of your sight, then that rebellion will take over. But we do our best. How many of you know there's no perfect parents? God is perfect. So, well, I did everything right. Well, listen, we can only do what we can do. It's up to them to respond. There, there are so many things. Now, one of the things I don't want you to do if you're in here and, and your children, you raise them and you've had some struggles, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you did the best you could with what you had, then you believe God to make up the difference. Listen to me. Are you listening to me? Again, going, being condemned about how this happened is not going to do you any good. In other words, you just be in faith where you're at. Even if your children are grown up and they're adults and you feel like you did everything right, then guess what? When they're old, they'll not depart from the ways. In other words, they'll get back to it. And all you got to do is pray and believe God and he'll send laborers across their path. And you just keep doing what you do and you be an example. Then it says to the fathers, and I'm going to, but uh, it says here, uh, Ephesians 6, let's go back and look at it. It says, as fathers provoke not. So as fathers, we're not supposed to provoke our children to wrath. It's hard to get out. So this is a, so now this is not the children's responsibility to make sure. This as a father, this as a father, as a parent, these are my responsibilities. And God said, one of the first things he says to me individually, in other places he tells the children, you obey their instructions. But as a father, the first thing he says to me is don't provoke them. In other words, watch how you instruct them, instruct them. Watch how you lead them. Watch how you guide them. Don't provoke them to wrath. That means you don't discipline in anger. That means you don't, uh, you don't take things out on them. You had a bad day, and they just happened to be standing there, and you yell at them. For, you, you don't provoke them because it will provoke them to wrath. But you're supposed to bring them up in the nurture and the admin. Aren't you glad that God just doesn't have a bad day and takes it out on us? And we have to be very careful. We're human beings and we have bad days. And usually you hurt the those around you because you know they're not going anywhere. That's a little husband and wife teaching. But you ought not do that. You ought not do that. Well, I'm just having a bad day. You'll have to forgive me. Well, why don't you get rid of your bad day before you get home? Hallelujah. Nobody is your punching bag. Colossians. Praise the Lord. <laughs> 3.21. It says, uh, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they get discouraged. Fathers, do not provoke or irritate or fret your children. Do not be hard on them or harass them, lest they become discouraged and sullen and morose. I've never used that word in my life. And morose and feel inferior and frustrated. So as a parent, it says, do not break their spirit. So it talks to the children what you got to do. But as a father especially, he's like, don't irritate them. Don't fret your children. Do not be hard on them or harass them. <laughs> Lest they become discouraged and sullen and morose and feel inferior and frustrated, don't break their spirit. So, Yes, you discipline them. Yes, you tell them, teach them what's right and wrong. But you're not supposed to provoke them. You're not supposed to do it in anger. You're not supposed to make them angry. Because it will do something to them. 
it, it causes them to get resentful. Not just of you, whether you like it or not, Dad, you represent God to them. In a lot of ways, you are the picture they see of Father God. I remember I had a, a friend, uh, that I had a friend at, at Bible school, and uh, this, this has to do with prosperity, but um, when, when he started hearing the prosperity message, he just couldn't get it. And he finally came to this conclusion. Um, you know, at Christmas time, sometimes people don't have a lot of money, but I don't even know that this was the total case at his house, but for Christmas, uh, he got socks and underwear. Never a, never a toy. It was socks and underwear. And maybe some of you had that too. But so it was very easy for him to believe God, Father God could meet his need, but he could not believe God would give him what he wanted. He had to earn that himself because that's what he had to do as a child. If he wanted something extra, he had to earn it. And this is the deal um, with, with understanding that. Uh, we do have a lot to, for as a father, as a mother, to portray to our child. Uh, yes, discipline. How many know God disciplines you? Maybe he doesn't. He loves me, so he does me. Does he love you? Then he disciplines you because he loves you. But is he good? He's extraordinary. He's over the top. Amen. He'll bless you beyond your wildest dreams and exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or think. That's how good God is. But it's really important. Um, I like this Gen Genesis chapter 18. Hallelujah. And the Lord said, uh, shall, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? And this is when he's talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. But I like this. And seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Verse 19. For I know him. He will command his children. Listen, the reason that God was friends with Abraham, and he didn't even have uh, uh, you know, uh, Isaac yet, and, and he may have had Ishmael already by this time. But he said, you know what I like, why I want to be friends with Abraham? Because I like the way he raises his children. I like the way he raises his children. He said, I know he will command his children his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. That the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which we have spoken to him. It's interesting that God really likes you and I when we parent well. Because we're raising the next generation. Now, I see a lot of discouraged looks out there. This is not a condemnation message. You say, well, everything's not going well. Again, I'm telling you, by the Holy Ghost, you don't do that to me. I'll come back and slap you upside the head. <laughs> and, and what you can do, though, is you can also believe for your child. But if you have grandchildren, if you have friends, you can, you can if you know some of these things. And listen, you don't have to have done it perfectly yourself to share this with others. But it's important for you to know what God likes. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 19 through 21. It says, you shall teach them, you, you shall teach them to your children, the laws and the ordinances. Speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. What is that? That's all the time. And you shall write them at the doorposts of your house on your gates. In, that, in your day, in the days of your children, may be multiplied. If you care about your children, you'll teach them the word of God. If you care about your children, you'll teach them the precepts of God. If you, if you love your children, you'll teach them the word and the laws and the plans of God. If you love them, why? Because that will multiply their days upon the earth. And, which the Lord swear to your fathers to give them. Like the days of, not just days on the earth, days of heaven on earth. Days of, how many of you know our life is much better when we obey God? 
Hallelujah. Um, I, I'm, I'm not going to go through all these. I'm going to give them to you. Let's look at one or two. I've got six on this one. I just must have needed a lot of these when I, when I was writing them down. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. You'll find out. It is written everywhere. My son did not despise the chastening of the Lord nor detest his correction. Verse 12. For whom the love lords he corrects. Just as the father of the son in whom he delights. You are not your friend, you are not your son and daughter's buddy, you are their mom and dad. So many times today, especially when they get a certain age, we want to become buddies. You'll never be their buddy. You shouldn't be. Well, I want to be friends with them. Well, you can be friends with them when you grow up, when they grow up and they're adults, but you're still always going to be mom and dad. Proverbs 13:24. Hallelujah. He who spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Now let's just go through them. Praise the Lord. You're, you're receiving them so well. Proverbs 22, 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it out. Well, that's not the way we do it today. Well, that's what the Word of God says. Proverbs 29, 15. The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's do this one backwards. Let's look at, uh, we're going to move on. Let's look at Colossians chapter 4. It's not this way in the notes. I'm going to look at Colossians chapter 4. Now we're going to look at where it said servant and masters. Now how many of you know uh, slavery is not a thing of God? And yet the Lord was writing to people where they are. And I often take this, and so you don't have to come up and tell me that what this was talking about. I know what it was talking about. But uh, I also look at this as employees, employers. Any, listen to me. Uh, when you work for someone, you are supposed to come under them. You're supposed to submit. Everybody say submit. Remember, we looked at submission when it comes to husbands and wives. Who's who, who determines whether you submit or not? If you're the employee, that's up to you to submit. It's not up to your employer. Now, there's a little bit of difference there. There's hiring, firing, raises, promotions, uh, all the benefits that go with it. So there is some incentive there where there's not necessarily in, in spouses. But God looks at this stuff. And so first I want to look at what he said uh, to um, in Ephesians 6, um, uh, verse number 9. And you masters do the same things unto them. Forbearing, threatening, that means you're not to threaten them, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is the respect with any person. So even though one person, what he's saying is even though you're higher, then in God's eyes you're the same. He doesn't have respect to person. He doesn't have respect to position as far as favorites. But when it comes to the natural, there is one over the other. But he has this to say in Colossians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal. Knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Verse 2, continue in prayer and watch the same with thanksgiving. With all praying also for us that, is that, that there may be a door. So let me, let me look at what I wrote down. Hold on. Why I wrote that in. Um, yeah, it, the door of veterans uh, for which I'm bonds. Um, I just wanted you to see masters, it says, given to your servants that which is just and equal. Everybody say just and equal. So as, as the boss, the boss has one side of it. I'm supposed to be just. I'm supposed to be fair. I'm supposed to be honest. I'm supposed to be equal. I'm not supposed to have favorites. I'm supposed to do everything that way. But if you're the employee, you can't control what I do. 
Now listen, as the boss, what does the boss do? Just like how God set up a marriage. And why is this important? Why is this in the word of God? Well, you know, because sometimes I, I think we don't understand that God watches everything that everybody does. And you're not in church, but an hour and a half on Wednesday and an hour and a half on Sunday. And you don't have two separate lives, but God looks at all of your life. So if you're a boss, he looks at how you deal with people. He is not pleased with those who mistreat their employees. He's not pleased with them who think their money buys them whatever they want. He's not pleased. He looks at their heart. And even if it seems to you they're getting away with stuff, they're not getting away with anything with God. And people wonder why don't things happen for certain people. But you don't get to see all their life and God doesn't expose it. But God doesn't look on the outside. He looks at the heart. And if someone in their heart is as a boss doing things wrong, then God knows it. And it's really blocking God from being able to bless them. And just because you look at things and it looks good on the outside and they look like they got money and they look like they got this. But money's not everything and money's not the end judge of all things. And you can't base your judgment on the amount of money that someone has whether God is pleased with them or not. Um, They may have inherited that company. (laughs) They, they may have built it up, and when they started, they were all in for God, and it was all God's. But then they got too big for their britches, and they started mistreating people. God looks at that stuff, but as an employee, it's not your job to correct them. It's, you can, if you have an open door, you can go in and give them advice, but if they don't take your advice, that's not on you. Now, when you're an employer-employee relationship, employers can fire people. Uh, employees can quit and move on. That's not the same as a marriage, but there still is that authority and submission that God does watch. He does watch. Now, what he mostly has to say to is those he calls servants, or we could look at them as employees. So let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. It says, servant, obey in all things. Everybody say all things. Now, I'm just going to obey in the things I like, the things I agree with, but that's not what it says. All, everybody say All things. Your master is according to the flesh, not with eye service. What does that mean? That means I'm not going to agree with them or I'm not going to act like I'm okie-dokie and then I'm going to talk behind their back. You should never gather around the water cooler talking bad things about your boss, especially if your boss is Mark Garver. So, uh, uh, hallelujah. Obey in all things. Who's this up to? Really, it's not. shouldn't be up to the boss to make you obey in all things. You should, you and I as employees should then obey this part. This is our part. And we want to please the Lord. And so obey in how many things? Your master's according to the flesh. Not with eye service as men pleasers. So I'm not just doing it in their face and then stabbing them in the back. But in sincerity of heart. Why? Because I fear God. So everything I do, let's keep going. Verse 23. It says, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not unto men. So even, at your, listen to me, this is really important. If you don't get anything else I say tonight, because uh, how many of y'all work? Most of you work. And the others of you have worked. And even if you're uh, a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad, you work. And whatever you do, so it doesn't matter who, even if you're, an, you're a self-employed individual, listen to me. Whatever you do, ever say whatever. whatever. So what you ever work at, do it heartily. Do it with all your heart. 
as to who? And not to. So I'm not just doing it to please somebody that I can't see. I'm doing it to please somebody I can't see. So everything I do, that's why I love uh, my employees, even though, you know, don't everybody tell, but I do it anyway. Um, I sneak up on them. Some of them I watch for a while. I, I, I know every inch of this building. I watch. Because I want to see what they want. Sometimes um, I'll purposely leave paper because I'll pick it. I usually pick, if there's, I see something, I, I, the habit of mine, this is God's property. I like it clean. And so I'll pick it up. But I have people instructed to do that. Sometimes I'll walk over to see how long it's going to stay there. Because listen to me, I, well, that's, that, that's, I don't like my job. I don't like what I, what I said I would agree to do. Yeah, but, but you agreed to do it and you do it under the Lord. Because if you do it under the Lord, he's going to promote you. Even if you have a nasty boss. Now, I am not a nasty boss. I'm a good one. They all tell you I'm, a, I'm fair. I'm good. Um, I'm not the same pastor as I am a boss. I'm a different boss than I am a pastor. You all get see mercy, 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 and the love all the time. Um, they do, they, no, they don't. Anyway, and so, but I expect things to be done. You're going to work 40 hours. You're going to get paid for 40 hours. You're going to work for 40 hours, especially with God's money. Praise the Lord. I don't mind. Whatever you do, do it heartily is unto the Lord. I want them to have fun. I want them to enjoy this. But, you know, after a half an hour enjoyment, Pastor Mark goes in and says, do you not have anything to do? I'll find something for you to do. Because, you know, and whatever you do, do it heartily as the Lord. As I'm telling you how to work. Well, everybody is, is relaxing and, and we all got work to do. Well, then you work. I'll even tell you this. If you're supposed to be working, you don't read your Bible and get paid for it unless they let you. This may really mess with some of you. When I was in Bible school, I was the first assistant, asking first assistant of a McDonald's. And uh, I had half of my employees were Rama students. And um, 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 I took a McDonald's that I wouldn't eat. When I first took it, I wouldn't eat there. It was nasty. It was dirty. I wouldn't eat there until we got it. I'm the first thing, I think I ignored customers. And I made them kids clean that place up. So I could eat there. It was gross. So we, we got, I hired a bunch of people from uh, Bible school. And so at work, I'm their boss. At school, we're friends. But they quickly learned the difference. And it taught me how to do it and do it nicely. But when I pulled on the parking lot, if they were standing around, they would grab brooms. And, and uh, if they weren't waiting on anybody, they would be, as they saw me walking in, they would grab a broom. Because you don't have time. If you got time to lean, you got time to clean. And so, um, so that's the way I was. And, um, but uh, I had this one guy. One day we were working and in the back, you know, it's the old school. So there was a back window where you took money. And the front window where you got your food. And it was McDonald's back then. You're supposed to get it in 30 seconds. And so that was always my goal. And let's keep these people moving. Well, we had a backlog. And so this guy, like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm getting everybody who comes through saved. <laughs> Some of them, it's taken a while. <laughs> I'm like, no. Mm. Today, you're taking money and saying, thank you, pull to the next window. He's like, brother, they're going to hell. I said, not today, they're getting McDonald's. <laughs> Move it along. 
Oh, he was so mad at me. He quit before I fired him. He said, well, that is the most important. Well, at that moment, if you have time and you want to share with somebody, that's great. But you're supposed to do your job. Do it heartily as unto the Lord. So the Lord would have been more pleased if he would have hurried up and take their money and say, have a blessed day and pull the next window. Jesus loves, I don't care, I would like that. Jesus loves you, pull the next window. Mm, The fries are going to be hot. Hallelujah, pull up. You understand what I'm saying? I think that some of you, that might surprise you. But, but when you're at work, you're supposed to be doing what your work says you're both supposed to be doing. And the Lord is pleased with it if you do it heartily unto the Lord, not unto men. Y'all good? Am I telling you what the word says? Am I adding too much opinion? I don't think I am. Hallelujah. Here we go. Where are we? Um, where are we? We're at an alabaster box. That's the wrong sermon. All right, 24. Knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord's Christ. Everybody say, I serve the Lord. So where do you do that? Well, you do it at work. How do I do that? Well, i got to get everybody born again. I think you, you should be a witness. But the first thing you're supposed to do is do your job. Do it well. Be the best employee they have. Be glad. Be glad that they'll be glad that you work there. That place is blessed because you work there. I, I, I have all kinds of stories. I'll tell you another one. Uh, that McDonald's I took, when I took it, it was his worst McDonald's. Uh, and thinking about clothes, I mean, it was, it was just not making any money. It was the dirtiest. It, it, um, I don't know if you understand these things, but McDonald's, they have people go around to rate them. They, give them a, uh, they used to give them, uh, I don't know if they still do it, quality cleanliness service. And so uh, actually the cleanliness was an F, the quality was an F, and the service was a great big C. And so that's what I took over, and he was losing money left and right. But I went in there, and my owner, man, he had the coolest yellow Corvette and lived in the biggest house in town. And he owned like seven or eight McDonald's. And you know what? I wasn't mad at that. A lot of people th- would think, well, he's, a, he's, he's loaded. He's got tons of money. What difference does it make if that place loses money? It made a difference because I worked there and I was going to do it unto the Lord. And so I decided that, um, <laughs> I decided that that was going to become his best McDonald's of all his stores. And it ended up a AAA store making the most money. And, um, and, and, you know, when people came into town, he would bring them to our store to show them, show, show it off. And yet, you know, when people were there, uh, some of them got mad at me sometimes because I would be like, even some of the Rama students, uh, especially those that were on, on my management team, I would tell them what we were believing God for. Not just, not just what, um, what money could bring. So I would always up it. Like, we're believing God. And one day, um, my general manager was a backslidden uh, Assembly of God girl. And so she was the boss boss. And one time, the owner called, and he would just do this to see what was going on down there. He called one day, and he said, uh, uh, what are your sales projections today? And I'll never forget it because I wasn't saying for far more. It was like the old, you know, we didn't have cell phones. We had the thing. She put her hand over. She said, Mark, what are you all believing for today? Not what was projected, what are you believing for today? Because she saw us hit it and hit it and hit it. Well, that's his money. Why are you believing for his money? He hasn't got any money. Because until you can do well in another man's, he'll give you your own. 
If you want your own stuff, you've got to be a good employee first. If you think God's going to bless you with your own while you've been a troublesome employee and you've been a complaining employee and you've been an employee telling everybody how to do their job better and you don't even do yours, that's not doing it unto the Lord. Hallelujah. First sermon was really good too, wasn't it? Y'all, I live this. I'm just not preaching this to you. I live this. Wouldn't it have been easier to say, what difference does it make? Uh, some of them did ask me, you know, why are you always believing for more work? Why can't we just come to work and have a few customers? Why you always got to believe for buses? Why you got to always believe for more? <laughs> when a bus would pull on, I was like, is there any more? They'd all be mad. I'd be like, we just got the lobby cleaned. But that's more money. When Raymond would have stuff, I would, um, I would stay open to serve everybody. Made them all tired. Made them, oh, the next day the owner called, oh, Mark, thank you very much. That last hour was amazing. <laughs> Do it unto the Lord. Well, we want to get home, go to bed. And I, I, was, I wasn't bad that way, but I, I didn't always do it for stuff. But, you know, I want to do it unto the Lord. I want to do it unto him. And if you get that way, you'll get raises, promotions, increase. Even if that owner or that boss won't do you right, God will move you somewhere where they will do you right. And, every, and they'll be grateful. They'll be grateful you are here. They'll be grateful you are here. You'll be, they'll be grateful you work for even if they don't understand it. Come on. Was Potiphar great? Was he sad when the missus messed with Joseph? Well, yeah, because there also went the favor of God down the road into the prison. I often wondered how hard a decision he had to make. I think it was harder than most people think. He probably rather kept Joseph. Verse 25. But he who does she tried to cheat on him. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there's no partiality. Let's look at some others real quick. Let's look at 1 Timothy 6.1. Just stick with me. Let as many as bond servants... Let as many as servants are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. So uh, you should publicly, uh, not just privately, but publicly, even if you don't got nothing nice to say about them, even if they're rascals, even if they're awful, even if they don't know what they're doing, then find something good to say about them publicly. Do not be caught in um, bad-mouthing them. Do not be caught in talking behind their back. If you got something to say, it's just like, you know, we tell people in the church world, you know, uh, if, if you're talking to someone who can't fix it, you're gossiping. If you're talking to somebody who can't fix it, you're causing division. You're causing strife. The only, if you've got a problem, you ought to talk to the person who can fix it. Otherwise, you need to keep your app shut and just pray and believe God and, and do what the Holy Ghost tells you to do. Um, don't be the one who stirs up dissension. Hallelujah. This is good, right? This is really good. Titus, we live this way. I want you all to be promoted. This, the Lord said this is your profuse favor. And it's not just profuse favor at church, it's profuse favor on your job where you need it. Profuse favor in your business where you need it. Amen. Uh, it says, exhort servants to be obedient to their own masters and to please them well in all things and not answering again. I guess that means not talking back. Not purloining, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God. Can you put that in New Living, Titus 2.10? 
It's not as easy as one might think. But no, must show themselves to be entirely trustworthy and good. So as an employee, I'm supposed to be trustworthy and good. That they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive in every way. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. It says, servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only the good and the gentle, but also the froward or the, the pains in the, you know. Verse 20. For what glory is it is when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently. But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, then that's acceptable. In other words, if you're causing the problem, God's not going to be able to rescue you. But if you do what you're supposed to do, God will rescue you. Verse 21. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. So this is talking about at work and daily living. And so be careful in the current um, atmosphere that is the United States of America that you don't uh, buy into the criticism, the bitterness, that, you, that um, I have a right to say what I have to say. The Lord is watching how we handle things. The Lord is watching. Just do it right. Do it right. If you have a problem with your boss, go to your boss. Otherwise, do everything you do unto the Lord. Do not be caught up in talking about or how things are going or this new thing or that. I don't like this. Do you like this? I don't like this. I think that's wrong. You be careful with those kind of things. Now, if you're the boss in the room, and there's a number of bosses in the room, be careful how you treat your employees. Be careful that the bottom line is not more important to you than people. And if God gave you a business, be careful how you treat them because he's watching how you treat them. Because as far as he's concerned, the two of you are equal. And you got to make sure you treat them right. That you're fair to them. That you do what is right for them. Amen?